The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good evening. You're listening to KUCI at 88.9 FM in Irvine and streaming online at KUCI.org. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity and From Victim to Victor, a step-by-step guide for ending the nightmare of identity theft. Mari's testified many times in Congress and the California legislature on privacy and identity theft issues, and you may have seen her on TV and Dayline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly, Oraldo, Montel, lots of other shows. So to learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Evening, Mari. Good evening. Well, tonight, I think you remember that I've been talking to you about this wonderful couple from Vermont. I've been getting cute pictures of their family and the beautiful snow and the goats. But I also have been hearing horror stories about what they've gone through as victims of identity theft. And from our discussions, I asked them if they would be willing to join us on our show and share their story so that they can help other people. Because both of them feel very concerned that this could happen to anybody who's listening to this. And they've been on MSNBC. They've been interviewed before. So they're little celebrities now. And we're glad to have them on as well. Let me tell you a little bit about Jennifer and David Fountain from beautiful Vermont. David Fountain is a professional truck driver for a national transportation company. He is 36 years old and lives in Essex, Vermont with his wife and two children. He's lived in Vermont for 12 years And before that, he was a resident of New York State. He earned an associate degree from Clinton Community College with a major in criminal justice. His beautiful wife, Jennifer Fountain, graduated from the Fannie Allen School of Practical Nursing as an LPN and worked as a nurse for 15 years. She's currently working as a paraeducator in the Essex Town School System. She's 36 years old as well. They're both young and has also lived in Vermont her entire life. She has spent the past five months educating herself about identity theft and all the issues and problems surrounding it. And she has, in her own right, become an expert on identity theft, unfortunately. But both of them have really been through the maze of identity theft. So thank you so much, David and Jennifer, for joining us tonight. Hello, Mari. Thank you. It's an honor to be on your radio show. Well, the two of you have really been through identity theft hell. So let's go back and talk about what happened to you back in January of 2001 to start this whole craziness. I'll have my husband. Well, um, back in 2001, January 2001, I received a uh, phone call from um, David Fountain of Bryan Center, Michigan, saying that Chase Manhattan Mortgage Corporation sent my uh, mortgage interest statement their house they cross-filed us somehow okay so his name is david fountain but you're david m fountain and what's his middle name his, his name is also david m fountain oh it is yeah it's an m2 okay yep and um my social security number was on his 
mortgage int- interest statement, but they had all my mortgage interest statement information, but his address. Uh-huh, okay. So, and he was nice enough to call me up and say they made a huge mistake, and he forwarded it to me and said, make sure you call Chase and tell him about that mistake because, um, you know, something terrible could happen. And I was like, thanked him, and I was relieved that somebody honest got a hold of uh, my uh, mortgage interest statement and was nice enough to send it back to me. So I immediately called Chase Manhattan Mortgage, and um, they said they um, were not aware of the problem and that they would address it immediately. And, um, well, anyhow, I thought I was done with it. And, um, so seven, what did they say they were going to do? They said that they were going to correct the records? They were going to correct the records, that's correct. Okay, and so after that you still had your mortgage with Chase, is that right? That is correct. And you got the correct mortgage statement after that? Um, that is, I'm not 100% sure on that more uh, corrected mortgage interest statement. Oh. Because um, I, I, I do not recall. Uh, in fact, I looked in the um, my file and I did not see that. Oh, okay. Okay. So we don't even know if perhaps they did it again because they they didn't fix their records correctly. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, so then what happened? Well, um, we sold that house. Okay. You know, we uh, got another loan and we uh, upgraded to a different house. You know, seven years have gone by. Now, did you, when you got your new house, did you also get a Chase mortgage? No, no. Okay. We, we went through a local federal credit union. All right. And um, we, uh, you know, with the mortgage interest rates dropping and everything, we financed this house, refinanced it twice. Okay. And uh, last time we refinanced it was 2004. Right. End of 2004. And, um, you know, and, and again, um, you know, we had no problem obtaining loans or anything like that. And, um, well, anyhow... Um, and had you seen your credit reports? Um, let me see. I did not see my credit reports. Okay. I um, was aware my credit score was quite well, and at that point, you know, my credit score was in the 800s. Right, so, you you know, you weren't worried about it. You got your new loans and refinanced, and yep. everything was great, right? Yep. Exactly, and um, we we paid our, our car loan off, so we had no loans. Right. Other than our mortgage, and uh, that was end of 2004. Um, let me see, and I'm trying to progress with this. But anyhow, yeah. uh, the day after Thanksgiving, this was when our life kind of changed really quick. Um, we received a uh, phone call. Okay, so this was 2007, right? We're yep. going to, like, fast forward from 2001 to 2007. That's correct, yeah. And um, we received a phone call from uh, Central Credit Reporting Agency. No, I believe that's the name of it. Is that what? I'm sorry. Jennifer, would you remember? I know you. Yes, it was CCS. Okay. It was Central Credit Servicing out of Florida. Right. So this wasn't a credit reporting agency, was it? It was a a collection. It was a a collection agency. Yeah, that's it. Right. It was a collection agency that was calling us nonstop the day after Thanksgiving. Oh, what a nice way to start out the holidays, right? Well, I initially answered the phone, and the man on the other end, the collector, was talking to me like, is this Ms. Jennifer? I said, (laughs) yes, it is. And I didn't know if it was a scam or a telemarketer, but um, he quickly started stating that, you know, 
I need um, to confirm some information. There's an outstanding loan that you need to pay. And so I immediately said, what loan is that? And he said, it's a loan with Menards. And I, we don't have a Menards here in the Northeast. I didn't even know what Menards was. I thought it was maybe a parts store. I didn't know what it was. Right. And, and tell my audience how much it was for. It was for $9,111.18. Wow, yeah. And what is Menards, anyway? Well, Menards is a home <laughs> improvement store. Right. And they're based in the upper... Um, Midwest? Somewhere. The upper Midwest, part of Michigan, Illinois, um, Milwaukee, you know, in that area. Uh-huh. And it's a home improvement store that sells lumber and home improvement things. Right. And you're out there in Vermont, so quite a, quite a distance from Menards. Yes. <laughs> yes. So he stated that we owed this, and he was very adamant that we needed to pay it. And he had also, con- you know, he had also stated that he had spoken to my husband already at this time, and I, and I said, you didn't speak to my husband. And that's when David walked in the other room and said, who are you speaking to? And I said, this man on the other line says we have a loan, and we need to pay it. And he's like, just hang up the phone. And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. So we hung up the phone. Right. Which, by the way, yeah, I was going to say, which, (laughs) by the way, is some people have a tendency to do that because you think it's a phony phone call. Mm -hmm. But just right now, while people are listening, if you ever get a phone call like this, find out the name of the person you're talking to, take down all the contact information. Don't give them any information, but you take information and then you say you'll get back to them. Because it's, uh, you know, you don't want to give them any information no. because it could be a, it could be a scam. So, scam. So this guy calls you back and tell what happened then. So he called us back. I answered the phone, of course, again. <laughs> and he said, this is Ross Smith from CCS. And Ms. Jennifer, we have a very serious issue. <laughs> and you need to pay this bill now. And I said to David, there's something, you know, he, he won't quit. So David got on the telephone on the other line and said, we're going to record you and we're going to call the local police because this is harassment and you need to stop calling us. We hung up the phone. Right. He called again. And at that point, he said, I spoke with your husband and this is your social security number and these are your professions. And at that point, that's when I said, "Uh uh-oh, he's got our social security numbers. Right. How is that possible? So when you talked to him then, what, did you ask him what he was looking at to, to even have that information? Did yes. You? Okay. Then he realized, after talking to him, that the billing address for this account was in Michigan. Right. And then he realized, well, there's a David M. Fountain in Michigan using your husband's information fraudulently to, gra- to gain credit. Oh, so, so, the, so the collection agent actually told you this at that point? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so when he, and this went on for a period of a couple of days that the creditor kept calling and trying to get us to press information because we were like out in Michigan. We, we don't know how that's even possible. I don't even think we even realized that somebody had stolen David's identity at this point. Now, did David talk with the collection agent too? Yes, I did. And and what happened when you told him I never talked to you before? He said he talked to you, right? Right. And um, I told him that this doesn't make any sense. You know, um, obviously somebody's using my ID, and 
well, anyhow, um, he we did we did just like you said. You know, we got his information. We called him back. I did an internet search and found out this is a legitimate, you know, company and everything. Right. And um, you know, I was really smart over the years protecting myself. You know, like um, with my checks, for example. Right. Um, I don't have um, my phone number on it, and um, I have my initial. Um, my. Um, You're not. You don't have your full name on there. Right. Right. My, uh, I do not have a debit card. I have an ATM card because I heard that years ago. Do not right. get a Visa check card. Right, right, those, right. Those because that good. Yeah. So you are already savvy and trying to protect right. yourself. Yeah. We'd right. also would shred personal information. Yeah. You know, old credit card statements that would come in. We'd yeah. shred them, or you know, we would dispose of them so that they weren't able to be placed back together and and utilized. Right. In a fraudulent manner. So right. we were always safeguarding in that sense. Now, see, and that's what goes to show you that it's so important that people hear this, that people like you guys who are privacy conscious, that you are, you know, you didn't have a debit card, you're doing what you can to protect your social security number, you're shredding information, and yet you still can become a victim. And that's what is really such a deception in our country right now because all these banks are trying to say, oh, you must be educated to protect yourself from identity theft. But if, if someone else has your information, no matter what you do, there was nothing that you guys could have done yep. to protect yourself because it was totally out of your control, right? It, it was. Exactly. Yeah, so go ahead and t let's yep. go back. So you had already been protecting yourself. So he called, the creditor, the collection agency called us again. Right. And asked us if we wanted to press charges against this individual. And, of course, we're like, yes. You know, you know, whatever you can do to get information and, you know, what we need to do, yes, we want to press charges. So the collection agency got on the phone because he ended up getting David Fountain in Michigan's number. Right. Phoned him and stated that we're going to go after him. We're going to press charges against him. And he hung up the phone with him, and five minutes later, our phone rang. Oh. And it was the guy in Michigan. Wow. Calling our house, stating that I don't know what's going on. There's a misunderstanding. There's an amount of money. There's a debt that I defaulted on, and the collection agency is calling me. And unfortunately, it's on your husband's account, credit report. And, you know, it's all my fault. We're going to clear this up. This is completely a mix up. And so I think, that's how he portrayed yeah. this. Now, isn't that when I first talked to you, like when we weren't sure at that moment whether it was a mixed-up file or it was fraud? There was a, there is a possibility sometimes mm -hmm. that when you have a name like David M. Fountain, and there's two of them, that sometimes the credit bureaus do make a mistake. Or if there's a John Jr. and a John Sr., they do make a mistake, and that's called a merged file. So I think I remember that's when we weren't 100% sure right away whether it was a merged file or fraud until then you found out the truth, right? Yeah. Well, at this point, we were so desperate to find anything relating to identity theft. So my husband got on the computer and was Googling situations, Googling the same situation. And your website came up with your testimony of what had happened to you and he said jennifer you need to read this and right. so i've taken some time off from work to to deal with this to help clear so i devoted 
you know, 12, 14 hours a day right. just reading information. And I found your website, and I read it, and I thought, I'm going to call her. Right. <laughs> I called you. And by a miracle, I got to speak with you and, and was I able to yeah, get a I direction. Remember, yeah, I remember because that's, that's when we weren't sure 100% if it was fraud yet or a merge file. And then you found out, and that's the amazing part, that this guy who years before, who was being so honest, ended up taking your identity. How did that feel? Oh, my. I, to, I, I was, um, you know, I've, I went through all the stages. I went through, I was anger, frustrated. I was, felt so helpless, you know, depressed. I mean, I could just go through all those stages, and um, I really wanted to call Chase up to let him have it. Right. But, you you know, we got your book by then, and we knew that wasn't the right way to go. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we, we tried to talk to them rationally, and um, unfortunately, talking over the phone didn't really get any action with them. We moved up through the chain of command with Chase and everything, mm-hmm. but we weren't getting any help. And uh, we got your book with the templates. Yeah, with the letters in it. Oh, uh-huh. my gosh. That was such a savior. Like, well, we have to clear up my credit on our own because Chase is not helping us. And we'll deal with Chase after I get some letters on your way and, you know, uh, registered mail, return receipt requested. It's such a burden yeah. for consumers, isn't it? I mean, it's just it's, like, here, it's not your fault. You've right. got somebody taking advantage of you. You've got a, a company that's that really facilitated the fraud, and nobody's helping you. Exactly. And we asked them. That was the... That was... We pleaded for help because... We knew that the credit reporting agencies from your book work for the banks. Yeah. And we know that they must have connections there. And Yeah, yeah, it's true. It, I mean, it is true that the, that the credit bureaus and um, their customers are the banks. Yeah. And so it is true that they should be working closer together. I want to go back to what happened when, um, when you found out you know, from this collection agency and and the actual imposter called you and said that there was a mistake. Let's go back and tell what happened after that. Well, um, um, Jen... When when he said it was a mistake, what did you think? Well, um, Jen talked to him, but, uh... How um, was that, Jen, when when you talked to the the evil twin? (laughs) (laughs) Well, when he called and stated that this was a mistake and that it was his burden, his debt, and he was going to clear this up, I was totally trusting of him. Because when he called initially back in 2001 to tell us, you know, hey, I've got your mortgage interest statement, I felt that, you know, he had our, I hate to say our best interest, but I felt that he was honest enough. Right. So when he called and stated that, you know, this was a mistake and that, you know, he said, can I have your husband's cell phone number? I need to talk to him. I need to straighten this out. I almost gave it to him. And I was very trusting of him. And I just felt, and I said to him, well, we'll get this cleared up and we'll, don't worry about it. It'll be okay. You know, just totally trusting. Yeah. Then, you know, I called my husband, <laughs> you know, and I said, he wants your cell phone number. And he said, this was a big mistake. And Dave's like, no, this is not a mistake. He did this, and I said, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, 
I want to believe him, you know? Yeah, I'm sure you both wanted to believe that it was just a mistake because he had been originally so honest with you. So when the detective, I had to do my own detective work, when the detective that we had contacted initially to find, um, to contact where the actual credit was obtained, which was Menard's in um, In Wyoming, Wyoming, Michigan, I had to contact the detective in Wyoming where the actual crime was committed. But I had to do some footwork finding out where that credit card was obtained. Right. And that was not easy. But now, I had now to... you got your credit report, right, at, at that point when you originally saw that there was that collection agency? Is that when you got your credit report, or did you not have it yet? We didn't have it yet. No, um, Jen, we got the credit report immediately. We, we got... we. Filed for a bunch of credit reports immediately when this all started. Right. I mean, immediately, but uh, oh my gosh, we we got to have at least a dozen different versions of credit reports. Oh, okay. So you had, you got your three major credit reports from Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. Exactly. And then on those, there, were there other were there collection accounts on there besides the Menards? Yes. Yes, there were. There were. Um, there were foreclosures. There were. Bankruptcies or car repossessions. Oh I mean, um, a, a normal credit report should be about six pages. Yeah. And we had one that was 24 pages. And here you had had a credit score of 800 when you refinanced your house. Right. Yeah, which is wonderful credit. And I just want, I don't even know if you found out your credit score, but it probably was like 400 or something <laughs> like that. We, I didn't want to look. Yeah, it was too scary <laughs> to find out even what it was. You know, so all of these were his that were now appearing on your credit report, right? Yeah, that's right. So even though he only had the Menard credit card that he got in your name, when he got that on there, all of a sudden it, it attracted all those other foreclosures that really weren't even under your social, correct? That, that's correct. And But one thing I had to do is when I had that credit report, I grabbed the thickest one and <laughs> I called every single company right. to make sure that my social security number wasn't used. Exactly, exactly. That spent, that was all day. Oh, yeah. That was just... Well, that was the good news, that even though it was appearing on your credit report, it really wasn't your social associated with it. That's right. So that's the good news, and then uh, to get that off your credit report, even though it's a hassle, at least you had proof that 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 was not your loan. Right. Yeah, yeah. it was getting a police report, which... The detectives were great, but in order to uh, get a police report, they want the actual fraudulent account numbers. And um, the detective French in Wyoming, Michigan, he um, was really helpful in getting us the ball rolling because we could not get that removed off our credit report until we had the actual police report in hand. And that was a kind of stressful sign, but time. But when I finally got that. Uh, credit report it was like a huge hurdle right to overcome when you got it with the one that was corrected correct right yes yes let me just introduce you again for someone who's driving by and listening i want them to know we are speaking with this wonderful young couple from beautiful vermont they've got darling kids goats and two adorable dogs i've gotten all these pictures and and it's david fountain and his wonderful wife jennifer fountain and they're from essex uh 
uh, Vermont and they have been victims of identity theft and they are victors now they have yep. not just rolled over they have taken it by the the bull by the horns and they've really gone forward to try and not only help themselves but to help others by educating them as to what can happen so let's go back david and, and talk about this so you were able to finally get your credit report cleaned up and let's talk about the the police report now when you did you call your own law local law enforcement in vermont yes so um, that was the first thing we did um we uh, contacted the uh local Essex Police Department, you know, we filled out um, an affidavit. Right. You know, a police report, really preliminary, you know, but they said, unfortunately, this crime didn't occur in their jurisdiction, and uh, they were willing to uh, write us just a kind of a summary police report saying, yeah, this is a, this is a fraudulent account. Right. But the, the key was, they said, you really have to pursue um, where this happened, and you know, that's when I got on the internet and searched Wyoming, Michigan, and and I called the detective French, and they had their own fraud department, which was, and I was really grateful that they were really willing to uh, help us out. You were so lucky because this is a, a real important issue, mm -hmm. and I know you know now from from the book that you ordered from me and from yep. filling out those letters that you must have a police report or at least some kind of law enforcement report from either the the local uh, police or police in another state or the FBI or the Secret Service or the Postal Commission or even your Department of Motor Vehicles, any kind of identity theft report. If you don't have it, the credit bureaus will absolutely not take that fraud off your credit profile. Absolutely they won't because that's the law. So number one, if you're listening to this and you're worried that you're going through this, at least get that uh, informational report from your local law enforcement agency, even if they can't do any investigation in another state. And, you know, I'll tell you something, Jennifer and David, you are very lucky that in another state, like Michigan, far away from you, that they would even help you because this is not, this is not something that happens very often. They figure you're not our, our local resident. We're overwhelmed. You know, if this happened to you, like, for example, in Los Angeles, they'd tell you, you know how many we have sitting on our desk? <laughs> mm, yeah. They would do nothing for you. That's and, really sad. Yes, it, it is unfortunate, but it happens to so many victims that call me. So you were very lucky that it was a, a jurisdiction that maybe wasn't so overwhelmed with this that they, that they, you know, were willing to help you. So, yeah, they, they were wonderful. But there's not even, there's not enough words to describe the amount of work that my husband and I put into this because it wasn't, it, it was so stressful that the common layman person to, to do this right. was, it was just, it was horrific. And both of you working and both of you parents trying to raise kids, trying to deal with your, you know, your animals and your children and just your lives you know going to work every day it's overwhelming to have to just take that takes over your life didn't it it did it did and it got to the point where i missed work because if you are not expedient with this process you end up looking negligent exactly so it needed to be done pronto it needed to be done 
it needed to be done yesterday. Exactly. <laughs> but, you exactly. know, we needed to um, find out what this Menards account was. So I was on the Internet Googling Menards. Then I had to find out where, and then I thought, okay, this guy's in Byron Center. I had to figure out where the closest Menards was. Then I called the Menards store, and then I called HSBC, which was the creditor that initially gave the Menards account. Did you feel like a private investigator? I did. <laughs> I did, and even the investigator in Wyoming, Michigan Police Department said, you made my job so easy. And let me tell you something, that is so great that you did this, Jennifer. And I'll tell you, if you're listening to this and this happens to you, which it's not if it happens, it's when it happens. Mm-hmm. When it happens to you, you need to do the kinds of things that Jennifer and David did because if you bring all of this information and give it to the detectives, they will go ahead and do it. But if you don't, it's just it's overwhelming. I mean, it was overwhelming for David and Jennifer to do all this work, let alone if you can imagine law enforcement with a whole desk full of these to try and investigate these. That's why the more that you do for them, the more likely that they'll help you. And that's what he said. He, he said, because we have a name, because we have an address, and we have, you know, information that is, that is um, credible, then we can we can move forward with this and I can get him. Yes. I can get him. And I, and it's, you know, and that's how that came full circle. We were able to get the thief. Well, I, I want to say one thing is the big thing that probably most likely helped us in this whole situation was your book. It was just unbelievable. It's like a how-to guide to clear your name. I mean, we didn't know what direction to go, what step to take, or anything, because um, you know, we're, we're not lawyers. You know, we don't do this every day for our careers. We just um, we just live. Just, yeah, how many people do this every day for a career? Nobody oh wants to gosh. do. No one even wants to do this every exactly. day. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't even want to do it for a career. So. Oh my. No, and you know, after when I went through this myself, I mean, I, I'm very empathetic, as you know, with what you guys have been through, because I have been through it, and, and you don't know what to do. You really do need a guide, and everybody, you know, points the other way. Well, you know, we can't help you. Everybody tells you it's somebody else's fault, you know? Yeah. And then you're sitting there like, wait a minute, what about me? I'm, I'm the innocent consumer who is yeah. just sitting here trying to raise my family. So I think that's what's really annoying. And, you know, you, you guys spent, what, like over 400 hours? Is that right? Or yeah. more? Yes. yes. And we, you know, even though it was a terrible situation and it was horrible, David and I's relationship, our relationship, it strengthened it because we had to work together. We had to work together in this. And we had to be each other's sounding board. And we we just were able to work really efficiently and and. You know, we were, we're a good team. We're yes. a very good team. Well, and, and, and I, I think that's really wonderful to hear that because sometimes when people go through the stress of this kind of a situation, um, for example, if it was if it was just uh, David and it didn't affect you and you just said, David, this is your thing. I can't help you. You know what I mean? It's, it is pretty overwhelming. So I think sometimes the the fact that you were able to communicate on this and you were able to be supportive of each other and help each other, I mean, that, that is really, that's the, that's the blessing in disguise in all of this is that it really showed you that you are a team. Because our lives are 
extremely busy, like everyone else is in this world, but we each carry a job. Right. We have two children with learning disabilities. At this point, we were dealing with a death in the family, and it was Christmas time. Yes, and that's such a stressful time anyway. It it is, and especially for David. And, you know, we were just trying to, it's hard enough to get by with just those stresses. But to add all of this on, and it was extremely demanding. And you had to be on your game. You had to be, you know, talking with the banks. And, And that, I think, is the most upsetting thing out of all of this. It's bad enough that that man stole my husband's social. But the fact that Chase Manhattan facilitated this and then would not accept responsibility and would not to help you i think that's the part that, yeah exactly I mean, they, they should have just said hey we're going to get somebody on this to take care of everything to help you we'll work with you we'll clean up your credit report we'll help you prosecute did they even participate in the prosecution no the part the prosecution of no absolutely not now they're the ones you know really who should have lost the money you know i mm-hmm. mean you know, instead, it's really the, um, it, it's actually that, what is it, the, they had a credit card with that, uh, what is the name of it, Mer, what is it? Uh, Menards. Menards. So Menards really lost the, the 9000 whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, did they help prosecute or not? Do you know? They ultimately were filed as a victim, so they would seek restitution as well. Yes. So that's what the detective said that he was going to put it, that's how he was going to to put it on the um, file. Right, right. It was HSBC Menards. Okay, HSBC. So HSBC Bank actually lost the money. Right. 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 For for the fraud. And then maybe maybe Menards was, um, you know, actually Menards was at fault as well. Because let me tell you something, for Menards to even issue that credit card or HSBC to issue the credit card, this is what they would have done. He would have applied using your social security number, right? With his name and your social. They would have gotten your credit report and they would have seen you're living in Vermont, Mm -hmm. right? They would have seen right on that credit report that there's no match with his uh, with the social he was using with his address, right then and there, they should have called and said, gee, there's something strange here. Prove to us that you've moved from Vermont, right? If he would have put his phone number and your social. Not only that, his birth date was different. He used his own birth date. Oh, on the app, you did get a hold of the application yes. to HBSC? Yes, we did. Uh, Jen was very persuasive, persuasive. I don't know how she did it. Okay, well, I'll tell you how, and let me say this, and and I want to say this for anybody listening. Most of the time when you ask for documentation of the fraud, they don't want to give it to you. But actually, if you remember in my book, I explained that federal law under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, federal law now says that if you write a letter to the creditors who issued the fraud accounts and you give an affidavit and you give your a copy of your police report and some documentation of where you live, that within 30 days they have to give you copies of all of the evidence of the fraud, including the original application. Mm-hmm. So if you have this problem and they want to tell you, no, you can't have it, they're in violation of federal law, but most people don't know that. Well, there is a signature on a piece of paper, and I'm trying to think of what it actually is, the term. It was a it was a subpoena, or um, I have yeah. to stop. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. They have subpoenas, yeah. Um, and they wanted you to subpoena them for that information? They wanted that information, and <clears throat> they had a judge's signature to obtain the original application from Menards. And the detective oh, it was the police uh-huh. who did that, yeah. Yes, and the police got the judge's signature, and they still wouldn't give it to the detective. And when I called, I said, you are in violation. Right. And you need, you are obstructing justice. Exactly. And you can have something come down on you if you don't produce that sensitive, that information right now. Yeah, and they didn't want to do it probably no. because it showed that they were negligent. And there needs to be something placed in law, in legislature, someplace that holds these credit card companies responsible for issuing credit fraudulently. It is like it's it's becoming something of my passion, uh, passionate for me because I think that it needs to be in place because these credit card companies and the banks need to be held responsible for facilitating fraud yes. against people that you know protect themselves. Right, and and that HBSC didn't even need to have a subpoena, by the way, which is what I'm trying to tell you and everybody else listening that you don't even need a subpoena. In fact. If you're a victim, you write to the creditor, you demand to have all copies of the applications and all evidence of the fraud, all the billing statements, and you demand that they send it to you as well as your investigator. And then you don't even need to get a subpoena until you go to court. And usually by that time, if you've got that much information and you found the perpetrator, it's going to be very easy to go forward and and, uh, prosecute them. But they should never have held that back from you. And the reason they did is because they didn't want you to see that the other guy has a different birthday. Your birthday is on your credit report, right, David? Yeah, that's right. And so the the birthday was different. The Social Security number he used was yours, but but the address was different. How could you suddenly be living in Vermont at the same time that you're living in Michigan unless that, you know, they should have checked? I know. But yeah. um, it, that just goes to, it was just a huge vicious cycle um my mortgage interest statement from way back then it had my vermont residence on it but it had his michigan address for the mailing address oh god so it's just uh (laughs) horrible yeah and see the bad thing about it is that because there was such a delay in time of seven seven years seven eight years yeah yeah that you know there is a short statute of limitations for that kind of negligence yeah and so really and truly the chase bank doesn't have any legal liability but they sure have some moral liability to at least say we are so so, do they even ever say they were really sorry that this happened but they want to help you or nothing the one thing that they did to us is uh, they sent us a release letter to help us cover expenses and they offered us I call it a gag order that's yeah. my terminology right. $1,500 but we couldn't communicate this with anybody right and um, and we couldn't hold Chase liable for anything else that might come of this in the future right yeah. and yeah. Um, one of the things I learned from reading your book is a uh, financial identity is compromised. Being compromised would be one thing. It's that would be the least of my worries. Yes. It's um, what I have for a career. I have to have security credentials and um, right. and hazmat endorsements, which we, because of post nine eleven, we have a have to have a clear background. So if he were to obtain uh, 
fake driver's ID, passport, or anything, commit a crime using my identity. Right. It's just, that's what worried me more than anything. And um, or, or even, you know, if he does go to prison, which he probably won't go very long, what, right. a couple of years, if, if anything, but he could give that information to somebody else who could use it. And yes, that's, um, that's what's worrisome. Yeah, now, I know. It's really... You know, I, I'm hoping I won't have another thing happen of this, but I'm right. trying to guard myself. Right, you know? right. And and just like you learned, you know, here you were so careful before, and then look what happened to you. Yeah. So one of the things that you can do, and for people who are listening, if you're worried about somebody using your identity for other purposes besides credit, because a lot of identity theft isn't even doesn't even show up on your credit report, you might want to consider going and getting your free report at choicetrust.com, choicepoint.com, and you can get what they call your FACTA disclosure. And what you can do is get your free public record search. Did you know that, David? No. You can go there at choicetrust.com, and you can get your free public record search. You can also get your free uh, work history report. And your free insurance report, uh, it's called your clue report to see if anybody has somehow, you know, me messed up your insurance or and your work history report. And those are for free once a year due to this uh, Fair Credit Reporting Act law that we got passed a couple years ago. So you can do that. And then there's one other thing with all of this medical identity theft. That's another fear. We don't know if perhaps he used your social to get medical care. So you can go to MIB.com, medicalinformationbureau.com, and you can also get once a year, you can get a free report to see if anything in your insurance history, for your medical history is showing up there. So there are, but you know, why should we have to do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we never would have thought of this 15, 20 years ago. I mean, it wasn't, we didn't know about it. Yes. You know, it just didn't seem like on the up and up. But now it's it's rampant. It's everywhere. Yes. You know, there's uh, varying uh, statistics anywhere from 8.6 million new victims, which is, you know, one study for last year, to another study of 15 million new victims of identity theft. And not everybody even reports to the Federal Trade Commission. For example, did you guys even report to the Federal Trade Commission and make yes. it? Okay, yeah. you did? We did. Okay, because yeah. you, you probably knew too from my book. But yeah. a lot of people don't even know to uh, make a complaint to the Federal Trade Commission. There's another thing you can do if you're really angry with your bank. You can always report to the controller of the con currency and Did write it. a letter. The problem, and, and you can tell me, David, if, if this is your experience, is unfortunately the people who have complained to the controller of the currency have found that they got nowhere. Right. Nothing. You know why? Right. Because it's a political thing. Yeah. They're, they're really kind of... Uh, you know, in cahoots with all the banks. <laughs> I yeah. hate to say it. So, you know, the the only answer is really doing what you're doing, going to the media. So tell what it was like when you did your um, your television stint. It, it felt very empowering being able to com communicate to people on my situation, what what happened to me and Jen. And um, not only that, we had some phone calls with people with 
we were hoping a situation similar to ours, uh. but um, we were able to point them in the right direction. And we, I, this one individual that called, that happened to him a couple years ago, and he was still struggling, mm. trying to clear his credit up. And uh, I tried to really help him out. Yeah. I just felt really bad for him. See, Vermont is a small state. Yes. Comparatively, and we have tight-knit communities. So a lot of people know everyone. Right. So, you know, I mean, it's a lot of people have approached me, and a lot of people have approached David and said, you know, I'm really sorry to hear what you, you know, we've read about you in the papers and, you know, we know, you know, we heard what you, we read what you've gone through and it's just absolutely horrible. And we, we didn't even think about something like that happening to anybody. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it, it's, it shocks a lot of people. And, and you don't it believe happens, it, yeah, you don't believe it could happen to you, right? Exactly. And until it happens to you, is is a real it's just a real eye opener when it happens yes. because we were very careful like i said with what with our personal information and you know even on top of all of this happening with chase we had an incident on our credit card um with Hannaford's that whole security breach with Hannaford right which is a supermarket chain and we had fraudulent charges on our credit card and we're like you know oh. does this ever end uh, but yeah but the good news with the credit card if it's just your credit card that the good news is right. you can cancel that credit card and you're never going to be held responsible you get the bill and you go wait a minute there's fraud on here mm-hmm. and you you tell them and you are not held to a penny and it it's a hassle and it's aggravating and you feel again betrayed but at the same time, it's nothing like this where someone actually right. gets new accounts in your name. I don't, you know, David and I talked about that, and we didn't feel, you know, anywhere near as violated as we did when he used David's personal right. information. And unfortunately, this man has David's social security number for the rest of my husband's life. Yes. So we have to be ever vigilant. Exactly. And it just. It blows my mind that these banks are able to facilitate fraud and not be held responsible. Right, and and that is something that we have to change, and that's why you guys speaking out on this show and to the various newspapers that you've talked to, it's very important. We may get you to testify yet. Let me ask you, so people probably want to know, whatever happened or what's happening I, I with David, the other David Fountain? So after he told you, you know, I'll make good, what happened then? Well, um, we were in contact with the uh, police department at that point, and um, they contacted him, and uh, this is a great story that Detective French told us. He came in for an interview under his own power, and he didn't have to speak, and um, David said, well, this is the other David. Yes. said, this has been a huge mistake, and... um, I'm just in here trying to clear this up because the banks are goofing this up. And he goes, I even have proof of this. He Mm. had written down on a piece of paper my Social Security number and his Social Security number. Right. And right then and there, I'm from the East Coast. I was born on the East Coast. It starts with a zero. Right. David was born in Great Lakes region, started with a three. Right then and there, the detective says, how ridiculous does that sound, you guys? 
Social Security number is not even close. How could they have even made a mistake like this? Right. And, and that's when he admitted to it. Oh. And, um, but anyhow, he's... But isn't that weird that he would keep that statement? I thought he sent you back the statement. He made a copy of it first, right? Right. He must have made a copy of it, but he had written down, the detective said, on a little piece of paper, my Social Security number written right next to his. So it was premeditated. Right, right. He may have have either, when he sent it back to you the first time, he may have gotten a couple more in the mail. (laughs) Yeah. You know, he may have gotten think about that. (laughs) You know, I mean, that would have been interesting to see if, you know, he got a few more before you refinanced your house and he just thought, well, I got it again. I'll just keep it. I may need it for a rainy day. Right. (laughs) Oh yeah. my gosh! So, so when he finally admitted it to him, then what did what did the uh, de- detective French do? Well, he charged him with um, I I don't it's an awful thing. I was a criminal justice major, and I can't quite remember. Was it was it identity theft or yes. person uh, impersonation or something? Yes, um, um, uh, two counts. I guess it was a felony. Yeah. Uh huh. Two two felony charges on um. I'll have to look up the exact terminology. Right. And but so then was he arrested at that point and got out on bail right away? Or no, he was not arrested. No. Because um, he didn't have a prior record. Okay. So they just released him on his own. Yeah. And then they then they then the DA took the case? Right. And uh, the DA took the case and uh, it changed um, circuit courts to a higher court. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but anyhow, he ended up agreeing to a plea agreement. And from the latest that I've gotten, it's uh, two and a, facing two and a half years in jail. No more than two and a half years in jail. Now, is that in local county jail, or is that, that's not in state prison, it's in county jail? I believe it is in county jail. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and a $13,500 fine. Right, right. But I, I Did you get any restitution? I uh, sent the victim statement to two judges. right requesting restitution prior to the banks getting any restitution. Right, you should, because the banks just write it off as the cost of doing business. Right. But, of course, I've got I've got the template off from Europe. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Well, you know, what's unfortunate is a lot of people don't realize that they have a right to restitution. If they have out-of-pocket losses, time off from work, all that stuff, they can ask the court for restitution for their out-of-pocket losses. And also, under 165E of the U.S. Tax Code, you can take those losses, depending on your situation, if you talk to your accountant, there are fraud losses that you can take um, for tax. But, you know, that's that's nothing compared to all the time and aggravation and stress that you guys yeah. went to and the fear that you have in the future. Right. Well, the, also the audacity of Chase to offer us $1,500 when we're still accumulating debt because of this was just a slap in the face. And then here's $1,500, shut your mouth, and, right. you know, then, you know, we can't... So what, know, kind of debt, what kind of debt are you accumulating, Jennifer, from this? Well, what do you mean? As far as debt goes, it's... Time off of work that you had to take? You it's mean time that? off from work that I've missed. Right. And so you get allotted so many days from work for pay, you know, paid sick time. Right. And so when you use all those up or use, you know, that time up when you really need it outside of, you know, when you're really sick or your children are sick, right. it's not there to fall back on because I used it for 
right. you know, the fraud incident. So, um, you know, accumulating debt, it's time lost from work. Yes. And it is copies and sending things certified mail. Yes. Return request upon yeah. receipt. Yes. And it's little things going through. And and all those little things are really big things for yeah. people. Yeah. Well, it's, it can be when you're not working. Right. But, um, you know, it's paper, it's ink, it's time, the amount of time that we put in, the amount of time that was taken from our children. You know, I mean, they're, they're it young. Had, it had to be stressful on the kids, too. They, they did feel it, you know. Yes. They did feel it. So... What did you guys learn from all this? I mean, you learned a lot. That I can already hear. Well, knowing that I know now what I know now, I mean, maybe I'm reading this wrong, but for my $10 a year, I would have froze my credit. Yeah, the security freeze. Yeah. I, am, I, am I coming to the wrong conclusion? But that Well, I actually, it's not $10 a year. It's $10 to freeze for each of the three credit bureaus. Okay. Uh, and let me explain what a security freeze is for people who don't know. You can place a security freeze on your credit report, which basically locks up your credit from being accessed by creditors, meaning that if some imposter like the other evil twin, David uh, Fountain, um, if he would have tried to get your credit report and you had a credit freeze, the company, HBSC, would not have been able to get your credit report. All right, And if they couldn't get a credit report, they weren't going to issue credit. So for that kind of identity theft, for, for new credit, yes, it works. It does. And then if you want to take off the freeze, meaning you want to thaw it because you need to buy a new car, then it costs $10 to thaw it. But usually if you're a victim of fraud, it's free. Yeah. Okay? So it's free to, to put that freeze on. And you, you guys may consider doing that if you're not in the looking for a new uh, car or we, some kind of new credit. Been done. Yeah. We, we yeah. Are, we're frozen. <laughs> now, but I, I just want to say one other thing. It is not, you know, there's other types of identity theft, yeah. meaning that someone could, and good news is, is you don't use a debit card, but it, even your check, it's not a good idea to use a check because your routing number and your account number is on that check, and somebody... You, you give a check at Hanover's because you're afraid to use your credit card or something, and you give a check and some unscrupulous employee sees your account number and your routing number, they can make up new checks without even your name on it, and the bank will just run it through and issue the money and your, just siphon all the money out of your account. Mm. So you're actually safer using a credit card, even like the Hanover one, at least you could just cancel it, right? And you weren't responsible for the charges. Yep, that's right. I mean, um, that's what... I've been doing for years with with a credit card. Yes. And um, the only time I really write checks is for um, to pay the credit card off. Okay. Let me suggest that you do online banking. Online banking. If you if you have, uh, I know you guys use the internet because you write me emails yeah. and you're <laughs> wonderful. So if you set up online banking with a password of at least you know twelve numbers letters mixed up, and you you run your anti-spyware and you, ran, you run your anti-virus and you make sure nobody sends you any uh, key logging software to learn your passwords, you are safer doing your online banking by sending payment for that credit card directly from your own bank. 
So I would suggest you do that and use don't use checks unless you absolutely have to. And I, I very rarely use checks. I just I just don't like them. Yeah, yeah you're, you're better off credit card and online banking as long as you check your online banking at least once a week as well. I think but, we check it daily. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now this is, see, you become, uh, you become even more vigilant. Yeah. Yeah, so if there's something you could say to Chase, you know, if, some, if they were right here, what would you say if you had the president of Chase sitting right next to you now? What would you say? Oh. Shame on you. <laughs> no. No. Um. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Protect our stuff, huh? Yeah. You know, what I, what I think is what would the best advertisement be and the best uh, thing to do? Best marketing? Would, best marketing, marketing for them? Yeah. For a company is being um, a pioneer in safeguarding people's credit. Absolutely checking people's credit. And their identity. Right. Exactly. Taking those extra steps. And I, I would I would think a bank like that would not, you know, they wouldn't have enough uh, people to take on all extra businesses. If they, the public knew that banks were doing these extra safeguards that are possible right. to protect their customers. That's right. If they authenticated and protected your privacy, that's that's a sure value added. It, it's, it makes you trust them more. Yeah. Well, Lloyd says it's the end. We only have like another minute and a half. I just wanted to thank you both for being so terrific and, and being such leaders, young and trying to raise a, a wonderful family in a wonderful area. And you shouldn't have had to go through this, but look what you've done. You've already, just by sharing your story, you've done such great work. Well, if we can help one other person, that's, you know what, that's what we want to do now. Yes, and, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, the next thing to do is to write a letter to your legislators and say, we want to have our banks be accountable. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's good. And we will be, we'll, we'll stay in touch. And I, I, lo- I want some more pictures and some goat cheese and, <laughs> and all that good stuff. So you, do. Okay. Well, you're Thank wonderful, you, guys. Thank you for all you've been through. And I think you should feel empowered because you're, you're doing a great job. Thank you, Mari. Thank okay. You, Mari. Good night. Good night. Good night. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. You've been lif- listening to Jennifer and David Fountain who are a young couple from Vermont who just went through identity theft, a nightmare. And thank you, Lloyd. You've been listening to KUCI. And you can go to our website at KUCI.org slash privacy of piracy. And there you can see our previous guests and listen to their archived interviews. You can download podcasts. And you can see our upcoming guests. Write us emails and tell us what you want to learn more about. Thank you very much. Come join us next Wednesday, 5 to 6 p.m. Good night. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.